Revolution means that the abuses and excesses of the violent, reactionary, and disruptive minority has to be crushed so that the majority interests can prevail. You must be clear here and not confused. I'm a socialist. There's a lot of America that belongs to me yet. You understand? If you stick a knife in my back nine inches and pull it out six inches, there's no progress. We said we're not going to fight capitalism with black capitalism, but we're going to fight with socialism. We're revolutionaries and we fight for principles and there is no compromise. Vayanse al carajo, yanquis de mierda, que aquí hay un pueblo digno. Anytime you make an analysis of an oppressed people in any aspect of their life and you leave out the enemy, you will never come to a correct analysis. What you West, what you Europeans did, you just took it. We got to catch up with you. The American capitalist system does not lie some of the time. It lies all of the time. I actually think it's much more about the how and the way that we are coming together and how we are, how we interpret that what. Good morning. Sunday morning. Nobody I know who's running for office talks about defunding the police. These aren't leaders. These are puppets and clowns. We're going to fight their reaction with all of those people to get together and have an international revolution. Right on. Right on. Right on. America always says they are democratic. Lies! That is a lie! They have never been democratic with native people. They have never been democratic with Indians. They have never been democratic with Hawaiians. They're not On the West Coast, where 200 inches of rain falls every year, there is drought. And where is the highest suicides and violence and murder of women? In those forest areas. Sailors people know the story of the double-headed serpent. We know the story of the split mind. We know that if you're disconnected from the earth, you will be disconnected from each other, you will dis be disconnected from creation, and then you'll violate creation. Quand on a une arme qui peut cracher le feu et la mort, et que l'on peut recevoir des ordres en se mettant au garde-à-vous devant un drapeau, sans savoir à qui profite cet ordre, à qui profite ce fusil, eh bien, on devient un criminel en puissance qui n'attend que le déclic pour semer la terreur autour de soi. How far would you go with violence to bring about the revolution? To liberate our country, to have dignity, to have respect, to have our mere human rights is something as essential as life itself. All the way. All the way. What's that, what's that mean? Uh, whatever is necessary. And those who demand instant perfection, the day after the revolution, they get up and say, are there civil liberties for the fascists? The revolution that feeds the children gets my support. Produire en Afrique, transformer en Afrique, et consommer en Afrique. Produisons ce dont nous avons besoin, et consommons ce que nous nous produisons, au lieu d'importer. And I think that the United States is so good at threat inflation and fear-mongering. But you know, when the Israelis pick up guns, or the Poles, or the Irish, or any white man in the world, the entire white world applauds. When a black man says exactly the same thing, he is judged a criminal and treated like one. It's no surprise that the pure socialists support every revolution 
except the ones that succeed. Capitalism is a very vicious system, but what it does is it, it embroideries its viciousness with all sorts of elusive terms. As a matter of fact, we could say under capitalism that the fruits of the labor of the toiling masses are enjoyed by those who do not labor. The people who feel it the most are the poor and working people. The Philippines are rich, Brazil is rich, Mexico is rich, Chile is rich. Only the people are poor. L'imperialism. Ah! The neocolonialism. Ah! And it will never be stopped until we stop it ourselves. Right. How you doing, comrade? Hi, how's it going, Karen? Hello, Q. I am hey. well. I am well. It, it's, uh, it has been one hell of a week. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's been, been paying attention to this, but... Uh, it's Pride Month, and the fuckery got started immediately, like right away. Yeah. All right. So, um, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, uh, How's can you hear my me? audio? Is somebody saying my audio? Your audio's good. I can yeah. I can hear you. Okay. Well, why is the audio yeah. saying that I have a hard time hearing you? It's one of our. Or is that just self consciousness? Kind of I am just uh, kind of quiet, though. Maybe I'm just kind of reflective and introspective. You know what I'm saying? But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're quiet in general, really. Like you're, yes, you're not. Uh, very quiet. Unless, yeah, unless, the, the fuckery started uh, yeah. right away, right away, June 1st. They didn't even fucking uh-huh. wait for, like, I don't even think it was June 1st everywhere in the world. And they were already like, E, let's sell some war using some rainbows. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, uh, January, uh, sorry, June 1st, January. June 1st at the stroke of midnight, um, you know, the the Hasbara, the, Has, the Hasbara propaganda started immediately, you know, talking about, um, you know, Pride Month in Israel. And the thing is, like, you know, people respond to it saying, oh, well, you know, gay people can't get married in Israel, so isn't that kind of hypocritical? And it's like, it, it doesn't, does it matter? This shit don't matter. It, 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 it don't, I mean, yes, it is hypocritical, but that is not the point. The point is that Israel is a settler colonial state and that they are oppressing Palestinian people. I mean... Yeah, I mean, if gay people could get married in Israel, that's would that make would it different? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would not be okay. It would not be okay. Occupation would still not be okay. Bombing the people in Gaza, cutting off their water, all of that would still not be okay. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, it is what it is. I mean, it, what, what is the most you can expect from uh, from most liberals, right? And then uh, there was a uh, law passed uh, in Ohio. I don't know if you heard about this one. So they can they can basically inspect children's genitals on demand. So the Safe Women's Sports Act, yeah, the Safe Women's Sports Act. In Ohio, uh, House Bill 151 in Ohio, basically says that uh, if a child, a child, uh, in let's say intramural sports or uh, in, uh, uh, in in women's sports in high school, is accused of being trans, there there can be uh, an external and internal genitalia evaluation conducted, a testosterone level check, and a genetic makeup test. So they can basically like. <sighs> They can, they can, they can genitally check your child. That's not creepy at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Who came up with that? <laughs> um, I mean, you, you know who. And the funny, yeah. like, the, the thing is, you know, I, I'm I'm very familiar with the evangelical church, and when I tell you, they, you know, the, for the amount of for the amount that they accuse other people of being groomers, and they accuse other people uh, who are supporting, like, let's say. Um, gay street alliance clubs at high school and whatnot of, of you know, corrupting children's minds. These motherfuckers be like, they molesting children at a record pace, and they cover it up. Like, 
I, I don't know of a sin. I have not been to a single church, and I don't know of a single church does, that does not have some sort of a sex scandal in its past. So I don't know. It, it, it's yeah. I mean, free piece. Free piece. Not even the beginning of that one. This kind of law checking children's genitals isn't that passed by people who claim that they're against like pedophilia and child mm-hmm. grooming or whatever. Yeah, but and you know, like adults doing that to children. Civil liberties and so on, but but again, the point is not the hypocrisy because they don't care about hypocrisy. I mean, they'll right. they they're okay with hypocrisy as long as they get what they want. And I think the the game that we have to stop playing. This is you know, this is a very liberal game. It's like if you catch them in a liar, if you catch them in a double standard, you think aha. So therefore, you have to stop. No, they're not going to stop. Right. They'll they'll they won't even acknowledge that there's a double standard. They just keep going. Uh, and then there was, and then there was, um, the talk about, you know, Russia not having, uh, not having Pride Month or not celebrating Pride Month and how dangerous it is for LGBT people in Russia, as if it's not dangerous for LGBT, LGBT people in Ukraine. Yeah. Like how, how many stories? As much, if not more homophobic. More so than, yeah. Like, how many stories do we have to hear of Pride, Pride March is getting attacked in Ukraine. Uh, how many stories did we have to hear about how dangerous it was for trans women to try and get out of Ukraine because the Ukrainian government did not recognize them as women. They, they you know, misgendered them and said, well, you're, you're a biological male, so you have to stay here and fight. Fuck all that id bullshit. Right, right, right. So this, this idea that uh, Russia is uniquely homophobic, I don't know. Um, it's, been, it's been getting off to a great month so far. Yeah. Um, and, and are we, are we, now, is Mikey joining us, by the way? I, I thought he was going to. I mean, oh. we were speaking like up, up to just a couple of minutes before the show started. I was waiting for him to come oh, through, but... Uh, running late. Okay. Yeah, he seems like he's running a bit behind. So maybe I'll... Um, did you see the article from Bernie Sanders' foreign policy advisor, Matt Dust? Yeah, I gotta say, I tried to get through it, and I'm, I literally kept falling asleep, so... Um, I might, I might not, <laughs> I might not have caught all of it. Uh, it's, it's okay. really, it's really, I mean, I did catch the gist of it, but basically, it, it um, ran, it, yeah. it's not just with the content, but his tone is so whiny. Like I can just hear him like whining this article out anyway. Okay. So he began, it, it ran in the new Republic, um, right. which, you know, does often goes there to, um, he goes to the New Republic often to espouse his shitlib views. But, you know, he begins by saying, weeks after the September 11th attack, Christopher Hitchens wrote a piece in the Atlantic castigating an American left he saw as unwilling to recognize the enemy that had just attacked the United States or support appropriate measures to confront it. My chief concern when faced with such an antagonist is not that there... Sorry, Christopher Hitchens' voice. My chief concern when faced with such an antagonist is not that there will be overreaction on the part of those who will fight the adversary, which seems to be the only thing about the recent attacks in the civilized world response to them that makes the left anxious. Okay. So you don't he... sound smarmy enough, Q. <laughs> you don't sound drunk enough. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me. I'm sorry. I got some whiskey upstairs. Let me just go like smash through a couple of bottles of that and come back. Uh, it just turned out to be totally wrong about this. As the next 20 years demonstrated, he should, in fact, have been quite concerned about the overreaction, which would compromise multiple and some still ongoing military interventions lead to the proliferation of adversaries, kill hundreds of thousands of people and displace millions. It would also embolden some very similar forces, marching under different flags, but adhering to a no less radical ideology here in the U.S. In short, a series of devastating and still mounting losses for the principles that Hitchens espoused. All right. So, uh, 
he then pivots and says, I would like to make sure it remains so. Hitchens saw 9-11 as a moment to decisively break from the left, and if not join the right, at least join the pro-war herd. I am interested in building the left. Today, the U.S. is stronger, left is stronger and more influential and growing faster than at any time in my lifetime. On the most important national security, economic and trade policy, and social justice issues of our time, the left has gotten it right. But it's important to think through how our values of social justice, human security, and equality, and democracy are best served in a response to Russia's war on Ukraine. We should acknowledge absolutely that skepticism towards the kind of righteous sloganeering we've seen around Russia's war is entirely reasonable. Our political class advanced military, advocates military violence with a regularity and ease that is psychopathic. Our politicians demand others show more courage in the face of Vladimir Putin's violence than they've ever been able to muster in the face of Donald Trump's tweets. We should not, however, let all of this absurdity blind us to the instance as well, and when provision of military aid can advance a more just and humanitarian global order. Assisting Ukraine's defense against Russian invasion is such an instance. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, in the interest of steel manning leftist objections to the U.S. role in Ukraine, that is, addressing the arguments in their strongest form, I'll look at arguments from two of the giants of the international left, two people for whom I have tremendous respect, MIT professor Noam Chomsky and Brazilian operation, uh, opposition leader Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva. So... Chomsky says, as we know, one option is a negotiated settlement, which will offer Putin an escape, an ugly settlement. Is it within reach? We don't know. You can only find out by trying, and we're refusing to try. But that's one option. The other option is to make it explicit and clear that Putin and the small circle of men around him, that you have no escape, you're going to a war crimes trial no matter what you do. Boris Johnson just reiterated this. Sanctions will go on no matter what you do. What does that mean? It means go ahead and obliterate Ukraine and go on to lay the basis for a terminal war. Those are the two options, and we're picking the second one and praising ourselves for heroism in doing it. Fighting Russia to the last Ukrainian. In an early, in an early May Time magazine interview, Lula said, Putin shouldn't have invaded Ukraine. But it's not just Putin who is guilty. The U.S. and the EU are also guilty. What was the reason for the Ukraine invasion? NATO? Then the U.S. and Europe should have said, Ukraine won't join NATO. That would have solved the problem. That's the argument they put forward. If they have a secret one, we don't know. The other issue is Ukraine joining the EU. The Europeans could have said, no, now is not the moment for Ukraine to join the EU. Um, and by the way, he, Ukraine applied to join the EU, but didn't join the EU, just as an aside. Mm -hmm. We'll wait. They didn't have to encourage the confrontation. First, we should be pushing... This is Matt Dust now. Uh, first, we sh of course, we should be pushing for a settlement. The longer this war grinds on, the worse it will be foremost for the Ukrainians, but also for a world already suffering from a pandemic and climate change-induced food crisis. As of this writing, I have seen no evidence of a settlement in the offing, as in a deal that Putin would actually entertain, let alone accept, that we're refusing to push for. Ukraine presented Russia with a far-reaching set of proposals over a month ago, including a commitment to permanent neutrality. Vladimir Zelensky continues to offer to negotiate directly with Putin to end the war. As for the claim that the U.S. and allies are fighting Russia to the last Ukrainian, this disingenuously suggests that Ukrainians are merely instruments of U.S. policy. But it should be clear by now that the Ukrainian people are going to fight the Russian invasion whether we help them or not. The U.S. certainly should be actively engaged in finding a diplomatic path to end the war and avoid committing to maximalist aims that could foreclose one. But for the moment, that path is unclear. Sorry, you got to so, read the whole article? <laughs> no, 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 no. I just, I just want like, to make sure that we've got the proper like, yeah. context here. It is a fairly long article, and, and I am skipping over several paragraphs just to There's just one like, paragraph that I think it. is uh, most relevant. Yeah. Um, oh, which one's that? The one that starts with, 
yes, it is maddening to see calls for accountability for Putin's atrocities from the same people who endorse, defended, and continue to oppose any meaningful accountability for America's own. It is infuriating to see our political class chuckling about George W. Bush's recent Kinsley S. Kinsley gas about, quote, the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified brutal invasion of Iraq, end quote, as if it isn't the confession of a war criminal. But suggesting that Bush's impunity is a reason not to hold Putin accountable is asking Ukrainians to join Iraqis and footing the bill for our corruption. So it's amazing how he takes the idea that, yes, all the things we did were wrong. And if we don't continue to do, if you don't continue to support everything we do, you're basically saying that now Ukrainians should pay for us being wrong in the past. It still assumes that what we're doing now is the right thing and that, you know, it still puts Ukrainians in this position that they are, um, you know, all being spoken for by like Zelensky and the Nazis. Like there's no other kind of Ukrainians. It's, yeah. you know, like, and all of the stuff that happened before February 24th, where the Ukrainian uh, Nazis and the Ukrainian government were targeting Ukrainians in Eastern Ukraine all of that didn't happen. All the Russian-speaking Ukrainian were not uh, targeted for the last eight years and more. I mean, like all of that is just like it's it's like it's like making Ukrainians into this innocent victims, um, monolithic, and then also amazingly how he twists that very thing. He says, "Yeah, George Bush is a war criminal and all of that," but if you don't now, so if, if basically he's saying that if you are against the Iraq War, if you against what we did back then, then you now have to be against Putin because. Uh, somehow, if you're not, then somehow you're saying that what we did was also right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's amazing yeah. the, the mental fucking gymnastics. It's, ba- it's basically a, a long and drawn out article advocating for the sunk cost fallacy. That is, well, we've already put in all of our time, effort, energy, and money into this uh, project. So if you don't continue to support it, it's all for naught. And that'll be just like our approach to Iraq and to some extent to Afghanistan. Yeah, and for articles like this, especially long-winded ones that are basically like, here's the left case for imperialism, uh, I normally just, like, I go into, you know, I click magnifying glass, and then I search for the word but, because there'll be plenty of paragraphs, you know, basically uh, paying lip service to all of, you know, uh, the reasons from a, you know, Western leftist perspective as to why we shouldn't support wars of aggression, including proxy wars, and then kind of like, you know, uh, paying lip service to, you know, like all of our past uh, 20 to uh, 80 years of, of endless wars. Uh, but then it really, if you, if you just search for the butts, it, it's basically the, the actual argument that folks like this are trying to make. And one of the major butts in this one is... But the Biden administration is nothing like the Bush administration. Oh, and, yeah. and really, that's all you need to know what he's trying yeah. to say there. This that's is different assumption. because it's happening under a Democratic administration. Yeah. Biden yeah. voted for Bush's yeah. war, by the way, if anybody didn't know. Biden voted yeah. for the Iraq war. So there's that. Well, is there anybody uh, in office right now, as far as Congress and the Senate, who was around during the Iraq war period or the run-up to the Iraq war? Uh, that was not in support of the Iraq War. I don't know that there are any left. There could be. I just don't, I can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean, Bernie Sanders, the guy who this guy. Sorry, aside for. from aside from Bernie. Yeah, the, yeah I, I always hold him out as an exception. I'm not sure why I do yeah. that. Well, what, was but, yeah. other, what was the other one? The woman, uh, 
Cynthia McKinney. No, no, Barbara. Oh, Barbara Lee. Bar- oh, yeah, yeah, Barbara Lee. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Barbara that's Lee. right. That's right. Although she has, uh, she has disappointed as of late. But we don't yeah, have to get yeah. to that right now. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, as we you know talk about this article and a couple of other ones that I, I wanted to get into. Um, if you are in the audience listening, this is not. The show is not intended to be an interaction between the three hosts. The show is intended to get feedback from you uh to speak to you uh get your questions your comments etc that's why it's called colin it's not banter <laughs> so it's not just for me comrade kieran and comrade Mikey to, to chat to one another it's for us to uh to listen and interact with you and if you have any questions that we can clarify or if you have information that could edify us i mean we're we're happy to hear it um yeah so is there any is there any matter in the last five or so years including, let's say, China's uh, position to Ukraine or China with regards to Xinjiang, is there any sort of foreign policy matter that Matt Dust hasn't been on the wrong side of? The only one I can probably think, I'm pretty sure he was uh, explicit in saying that the Bolivian coup was a coup. I'm pretty sure he was supportive of Evo's government. But aside from that, he said some shitty things about Venezuela he had to say some shitty things about China, and he has this like this death urge toward Russia, which I'm not really sure exactly where that, that comes from. He's a liberal. I mean, yeah, yeah like he, I, I mean, yeah, like he's, he, if he's in Bernie Sanders' foreign policy, like that's his position or whatever, I mean, he would have to be somebody who, if, I mean, Bernie Sanders is seen as like some kind of hero or whatever. He's not, I mean, first of all. But even if you were to like some of his domestic policies, the guy is just as imperialist as anybody else he just quotes it in a more possibly in a more you know oh we need to be like nicer about it maybe but not even that he's still anti-china he's still anti-russia he's still again you know yeah. he has he wanted asada shakur uh uh extradited, extradited back to the u.s yeah. from cuba like he bernie sanders i don't think he's ever talked about the blockade u.s blockade against cuba so i don't understand you know bernie sanders is not some fucking saint or angel or whatever and then this guy matt Duss, is probably more right-wing i would say than than bernie sanders even yeah. well um just we, we uh we do have rudy who uh hopped up to the caller queue so rudy feel free to unmute yourself you can tap the microphone shape button in the lower right hand corner right, okay you got it what's up what you got what's good q hey what's kieran up? what's up mikey hey welcome we good fam hey so um, the um, talking about uh this topic so i follow soccer right and there's um a guy on the PSG team, which is like this team that's overloaded. Do you guys follow soccer? I don't follow soccer anymore, uh, and not because I don't like soccer. Like Liverpool mm-hmm. is my team. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm a long-suffering Liverpool fan, but I just don't have time to. I haven't even really kept up with this basketball season, and basketball is my my favorite sport. So, yeah, unfortunately, no, I haven't yeah. been keeping up. Like well, I usually follow World Cup, but not. Otherwise, in general, uh, I like uh, you a fe- Okay. Feast yeah, I know, people. I know, it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What? What? What where was the? Uh, what was the connection there, Rudy? Yeah. So um, there's a team called PSG, and it's um, you know Paris's team, and now it's owned by uh, I think it's a Qatari group or you know. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. 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 PSG being uh, Paris Saint Germain. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, there's a, um, a Senegalese guy that's on the team. And so um, to celebrate the month, 
they have these jerseys that have the sort of the the rainbow on the numbers. And so the guy decided that it's against his fate. And so he um, didn't want to participate in the game. And so that basically created a whole scandal in France. And of course, um, you know, Marine Le Pen then had to come in. And um, I don't know, did you guys see that story? No, I haven't. Um, so I'm guessing uh, the Senegalese player was uh, Idrissa Goya? Yeah, Idrissa yeah. Gueye. Oh God! See, I've, yeah, I've only ever I've only ever seen because I keep up with the box scores, and I've only ever seen his name in print. But because I can't like sit down and watch a full match anymore, mm-hmm. like I don't I don't uh, hear the names pronounced. Well, you just you just imagine how a French person would say it, and it's just <laughs> that the funny thing yeah. is that I wasn't even capping this right? Mm-hmm. but this guy's name is Idrissa Gay. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he said, none of, none of that gay shit around here. Sorry. <laughs> All right. And so yeah. he sort of caught up in it. <laughs> he just gay said, pause. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, a, I'm a child. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, yeah. So Risa's in trouble. And basically, they, it's, it's brought out like the worst creatures to speak on something to try to get some sort of point in getting people angry at the foreigners again and getting mm. angry at like the Muslims. And it's crazy pretending like it's, it's this, the soccer world has really been affected by this old, um, this whole um, Russia versus uh, Ukraine thing where there's been some punishment doled out at like Russian athletes like crazy. And everybody's like, you guys have to come out and denounce this thing or basically, you know, you deserve to be kicked out of, you know. And so, yeah, but there's like a lot of politics in this. And so Idrissa's um, basically, yeah, he's a, he's a Muslim, you know. And so I don't know. I, what do you guys think about such a thing? Uh, I, I, I struggle with this one. And... Especially in France, a country where laicite, like uh, secularism, is heavily uh, valued. Like f- France is, I would say, I don't know, may, would would that be the first country that embraced a policy like secularism as a national policy? Like the U.S., I know that you know it, it doesn't favor religions, um, but like France goes farther than that to say that like their policy of laicite. Is that you do not practice your religion in public? Yeah, like, but actually, it's it's funny though, right? I'm I'm not challenging this necessarily, but it's funny mm-hmm. because like, you know, France like the U.S. is like a bunch of hypocrites, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's laicity, but there's like a laicity in a way that we can make exception, you know, an exception know, for, the, for, for the Catholic Church. Yeah, for the Catholic Church. Yeah, it's the same and thing in Quebec. We, and then we can laicite to attack the Muslims, you know. I know, I know. It's the same. It's the same in Quebec. Like it's it's laicite. Um, as long as you're not Catholic. So, like, the, uh, the Quebec Assembly, for example, has, like, a crucifix, right? And they're like, oh, it's not a religious symbol, it's a cultural symbol. It's still a crucifix. And, and this, the same goes in France, I, I understand that. So the point I was trying to get at was that they, uh, they, they do practice um, laicity in public, but what that often means is that um, people who uh, have religions that, that uh, require some uh, form of... Um, 
some form of like uh, a public aesthetic. So, for example, if you wear the uh, the kippa, or if you wear the hijab, or what uh, the turban, or whatever, the niqab. Yeah, yeah. Um, the so for for Catholics, they don't have to wear anything. You can uh, wear, let's say, like a crucifix around your uh, on a pendant on a necklace, but it's it's not something that's required. And granted, like you know, the niqab and the hijab aren't required for Islam either, but uh, they're still uh, cultural practices that are heavily tied to, to the religion. So what often happens in France, as in Quebec, is that they use these symbols that other people wear, whether it's uh, you know, Sikh people wearing the, uh, the kirpan or, or the turban, or whether it's uh, Muslim women wearing the, the niqab. They use that to demonize other uh, people of other backgrounds and say that, you know, this is what happens when we let this many foreigners into our country. So laicity is often weaponized um, against people of other faiths. And at the same time, like, um, uh, Paris Saint-Germain is, is owned, as you mentioned earlier, um, it's owned by... Right. A, uh, it, it's, it's owned by a Qatari organization. And, and in Qatar, um, you know, homosexuality is illegal. So right. The question, the right. question becomes... Do you so it's like all right you're you're okay with this uh you're okay with your your soccer team being owned um, right by an organization from a country where homosexuality is illegal so you're okay with the the money that it brings in uh, in terms of, like the ad revenue and the the fans in the seats and so on you're okay with all of that but what you want to do then is is rainbow wash your association with this Qatari organization and then put all of that hypocrisy on the back of a single player. I yeah. Find be, I find that to be bullshit. Yes, those are the words that I was looking for. Yeah, so to me it's like, uh, it's, I don't know, it's it's cheap theatrics. And I think, I mean, uh, this is something that, you know, uh, Kieran and Mikey and I were going to talk about, was just like how every every corporation just, well, washes themselves in rainbow colors. And, and it's gotten worse every single year. I think this is probably the most ridiculous that I've ever seen. I don't know if you saw the tweet. Uh, the U.S. Marines put out a tweet. Um, and it was a helmet. It was like a, a, a combat helmet. And the helmet had a, uh, a uh, sling around it uh, with these, uh, these, these full-jacketed bullets. Right? These are like uh, you know, uh, M- M16 bullets. And the uh, the tip of these bullets had the colors of the pride flag on them. So oh like my a, god! A red tipped bullet, an orange, a yellow, a green, a blue, and a purple tipped bullet. And it says so on the band um, on the helmet. It says "Proud to Serve." Now, if you're familiar with the Stanley Kubrick film Full Metal Jacket, this is uh, a send off of Private Joker's helmet from Full Metal Jacket. And Private Joker had a helmet that uh, had on it born to kill like the the words born to kill were etched on the helmet with a little peace sign pin and of course uh six sorry seven full metal jackets uh seven seven bullets right so the idea that uh <laughs> the idea that any marine is going to put proud to serve on their <laughs> helmet and <laughs> you're going you're going you're going to like you know, switch to auto fire, right? <laughs> Just like you're, <laughs> you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna triple tap, you're gonna triple tap at triple tap an Iraqi child as you rape their parents. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but at least this is a tolerant military with LGBTQ people. I mean, you know, the sol- the soldier who uh, 
the soldier who double tapped this, the soldier who double tapped this Iraqi child in Fallujah is born after him. I'm like, what the fuck? Anyway, so yeah, the uh, the amount of like just cynical fuckery around Pride Month has just been, I don't know. At this point, it's, it's a complete joke, and I think that any Pride organization that's uh, taking money from these companies for their Pride March, like I just, I don't. Know. At this point, I'm not even interested in attending Pride this year. I've got no interest whatsoever. Um, and this idea that uh, we we were willing to allow the the rainbow washing uh the the, the pink imperialism um not only to like you know browbeat other countries into allowing us to civilize them out of barbarism but that people on the left are actually going along with this shit it makes me sick yeah i mean i've been um i have been part of various uh pride marches and pride organizing and lgbt organizations since probably 19 19- uh, I would say 90 or something, or 90, um, but definitely since like 95. And so that's like a long fucking time. And um, I helped organize one of the first marches in Orlando. I um, have taken part in uh, pride marches in New York, like the New York City one, um, and all over, like all over, and Toronto as well. And um, I used to do fundraising for Pride Toronto a while ago. And, like, I've been involved in this stuff for a long and, you know, before I was a communist, baby. but I have seen how absolutely commodified, specifically Pride and Pride Month has been. And I've also seen how there are obviously still movement, and basically the more rights and sort of equality, you know, under the law and inclusivity and all that that LGBT people get, the more it becomes obvious of that it's actually a very unstability. It's not a community that's actually, we were just united based And the more that, for example, in Canada, we get our so-called, you know, rights under the law, the more the other fissures become more obvious based on class and, and things like that. Once and the white so, gays got the right to, once the, once the white gays got the right to marriage, it was a wrap. It right? was it. They that just, was it. They, yeah. They, yeah they it. pulled, they pulled the parachute drawstring and that was it for them. Yeah. That it doesn't matter now. Anything else, nothing else matters. They have, they have gay marriage now and that's it. And so I've seen how what has happened since the nineties to today, um, as more and more, um, as more, as there was more and more LGBT in the, in the larger culture sort of acceptance where to the point where it's absolutely completely co-opted and commodified. Um, and I'm not going to Pride anymore either. I mean, I stopped going for a while. I did go in 24. The pandemic started, but um, I'm just not interested anymore. It is so bad. I mean, when I was there last time, um, I was marching, I think, with the Communist Party at, uh, that year. And I noticed that, you know, there are, for example, in Toronto Pride, there's always like this, there has been this like protest against having police presence or whatever, like police marching as part of the Pride uh, parade. And that's totally righteous. I agree with that you know, that stance that the police, you know, no police and pride and all that. But I I, I always find that it's so weird that like the same movement or the same kind of people don't seem to have a problem with, you know, the Navy in being in pride, the the army being in pride, you know, the the fucking CSIS being in pride, you know, And, and I'm just like, why is that okay? You know, like to me, it's always like, yeah, no cops and no military. Why do we, why are we okay with military being in pride while we're against cops i still i never really got that and i, I mean i'm not saying everybody obviously there are a lot of people who might be my in against both but there doesn't seem to be any real like political really take out the way that the that pride has been completely co-opted by not just corporations like banks and stuff but specifically war 
machine, you know, the, the, the war industry. Yeah. So last year, um, they also had some sort of publicity stunt for the war machine with like the LGBTQ. Um, basically, they had the first group of I can't remember how, you know, what group of killers these guys are. But then like the first LGBTQ sort of killers of this brand. And so then this year they had the the bullets. Next year they might have like bullets that if they get tipped in blood, maybe then they show like a lot of colors. Yeah, I I don't know, man. Uh, I, I, I don't really have any more constructive comments on that that aren't going to get me suspended from this platform. So I think I'm just going to shut my mouth. But um, appreciate that, man, Rudy. Uh, and, and by the way, so I'm going to move on to uh, the next caller. But you know, if you have any other uh, comments or questions, I mean, you can always feel free to come back into the caller queue. Appreciate it, bro. I think there's a um, oh, also thanks, Rudy. Yeah, um, on the subject of Full Metal Jacket, uh, I think it is. So I, I think it was Michael Haneke who said like, there's there's really no way that you can make an ethical war film in particularly in the United States, and I, I'm. I'm more and more inclined to agree with that, but I think like full metal jacket when, you know, applied like with, with a, a like a Marxist, like uh, uh sexual and gender uh, critical analysis to it is, is just like a really rich layered um, unsettling film. Like uh, I think, uh, I mean, there's something to be said about the fact that the entire first act is just this ruthless, dehumanization um of of one young man right uh who's practically just an old boy you know uh, uh to the point where he literally goes insane and then you know kills his superior officer and 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 himself and then it basically just cuts right to vietnam uh you know to a completely disembodied uh you know sex worker whose face you never see and and you know that 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 scene is often criticized i think you know maybe rightly so but um, it all leads up to, spoiler alert, the ending, where this sniper that is killing all of these young men uh, on the U.S. side turns out to be, you know, a, a woman. And, mm-hmm. and they, they just cannot believe it. Um, and, and, and the movie ends with, with them singing Mickey Mouse, you know? Like, it's, it's, it's like a really, really, like, just, like, uh, heavy critique on, on the entire U.S. project. And I, I don't think it gets enough credit for that. <laughs> no, it, it was. It's one of my favorite movies, in fact. Um, and it was, like... Uh, I think Vincent D'Onofrio does. I mean, I, I know that people celebrate his, his as an actor, but I don't even think he's won any Academy Awards. And uh, I, I think that uh, I don't know his skill was completely underrated. I think anybody who needs to know like what kind of acting range he's capable of needs to go back and watch that movie. But yeah, I, I, I think it is possible to make an ethical anti-war movie um, in America, and I, I think that Full Metal Jacket is about as close as it'll come. Um, all right, so your communist, <laughs> your communist dad, what you got for us, bro? You can unmute yourself. There you go. Hey, yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, for some reason, uh, this app, uh, yeah, just some Karen's talking about, like, the, the way, like, Navy, uh, you know, military is, like, excluded from, like, the criticisms of, like, no cops or pride. Uh, it just really, uh, it just reminded me of, like, Thing uh, from one of my favorite books, uh, Domenico Lacerdo's Liberalism, a Counter History. He does a really brilliant job in that book of like looking at the history of liberalism ideologically and understanding it as like what he calls like the self celebration of the community of the free 
and like the exclusion of people of colonized origins. Uh, but basically, like liberalism has always been about celebrating the freedom and liberty, but it has always been like inextricably connected to the flip side of that coin, which is defining a always a majority of the global population as like the barbarians, the outgroup, you know, uh, you know, typically the colonized. But like, I think it's like something that's interesting is some of the tensions and conflicts within liberalism and between liberal states. Uh, like most notably, perhaps the American Revolution, uh, quote unquote revolution, uh, is like the where exactly the boundary between the civilized and free and the barbarians who don't count, uh, like where that boundary falls, has like historically always been a point of contention. And it always like ideologically kind of tracks basically well, who's the group that capital is exploiting the most at this particular time or which capitals are exploiting which groups? Um, but yeah, just like I was looking to say that just to me, it sounds like another one of just like countless instances like this where like that, I think that like, because that line is very flexible, it's, it, it just shifts over time. It's like um, for like folks in the LGBT community, a lot of them have, you know, moved um, inside of the, you know, the community of the free. Uh, but like people, because of the, you know, underlying uh, reliance on imperialism, you know, the the Navy is just like the cops for, you know, like Mikey's always saying, you know, the U.S. military is uh, pigs on study abroad. Um, and so like, it's not surprising um, that you would see that kind of lack of critical analysis applied because of the uh, economic reliance of the United States on imperialism and who we are extracting the most value from, which is, uh, it isn't, you know, LGBT folks at home, it's uh, colonized people abroad. And also the Navy in particular has a very unique place in gay male culture. Like it's almost like a trope, right? And, the Navy. YMCA even did a song. <laughs> right. YMCA is, yeah. The, the I mean, song, sorry, YMCA village people. A... <laughs> village people right, in the right. Navy. And the, I remember like every every year the the military floats, especially the Navy floats, you know, they always have the buff guys, like half naked guys and all that. And, you know, the, all the floats do, and that's fine. But I'm just saying like the Navy one in particular has a very unique special place uh, because of the sort of history of association of the Navy in particular with gay men. And uh, yeah, so it's, that never seems to be questioned, even by the people who do seem to have uh, uh, the correct analysis when it comes to cops and police. But yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, YCD, as I like to call you, um, you know, you're exactly correct with that. The idea, liberals just don't think of the military as cops. They think of the military as they're just nice kids who are looking out for us and, you know, they get to have free college and, you know, whatever. And, and, and at most they'll be like, oh, those are just poor people who just want free college. And this is or the ba- or they'll be like, oh, they're looking, you know, they're, they're defending our freedom or, oh, whatever. I mean, you know, they, there's just no real analysis of the fucking U.S. military, which is world police. If you are against the police, you cannot be for the military. OK. Um, because your country, the United States and Canada, as its sort of junior partner, and to some extent not that junior in many cases, especially when it comes to like mining companies, for example, around the world in Africa and all over uh, Central America and the Pacific uh, islands and everything, um, they 
uh, you know, they are the world police. So we don't get to just say, oh, police are bad inside our borders. But when our countries act like world police, well, that's fine. That's our right. We have the we have to. For example, just recently, just today, I saw an article from the from Reuters, Reuters, the news agency uh, that says uh, something. Basically, the, the, the Canadian military was out in uh, at the border of uh, DPRK, commonly known as North Korea, which is not the correct name. The correct name is DPRK. Um, and, uh, you know, the sanctions that the United States and other countries have put on the DPRK, um, Canada is one of the countries that is enforcing those. And one of the ways they do it is they patrol the border of the DPRK to make sure nobody else can get in. So they, the, one, the part about the sanctions and the blockade, the same thing around Cuba, is that these Western big countries, U.S. and Canada, EU countries, U.K., they don't let other people bring in food medicines to these people. That's part of sanctions. It's war. Sanctions are war. They, they, they literally want to starve the people who are in those countries. So um, they put the, the Canadian military patrols the border of DPRK, making sure nobody else can get in. And so apparently at one point they got too close to the Chinese air, air space. And, you know, because China and North Korea are literally neighbors. And uh, so apparently the Chinese military, the Chinese Air Force, the PLAAF, was... Um, did some uh, maneuvers to, like, tell them to fuck off, you know? And um, the Reuters reported it like this, quote, Canada says Chinese warplanes harassed its port patrol aircraft on North Korea sanctions mission, right? And this whole article is like, it's like all about just like, oh, these, these poor Canadians were just there at the North Korea-China border patrolling North Korea, and Chinese aircraft are harassing these poor Canadian patrolmen. And I was just like, okay, I mean, everybody in response to that tweet is just like, what the fuck is Canada doing there? Um, but the idea being that, you know, that is a police maneuver. That is a police behavior. Why is it okay? That is the Canadian fucking Air Force policing the border of DPRK around on the other side of the planet, nowhere near Canada. Imagine if China was policing the border, it was like in Alaska, policing the border between the U.S. and Canada, I mean, like, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, imagine if the Chinese Air Force was anywhere near the North American airspace and Canada has air fucking warships and warplanes at the border of DPRK and China. And if they say anything, hey, don't get too close to us, then Reuters, the biggest news agency in the world, one of the biggest ones, reports as reports it as China is harassing Canadian patrol. I mean, this is absolutely insane. Right. And this is how it's uh, and the whole article is like basically saying that and i i i just i i mean this is what i mean when i say that a lot of people are are they understand the problems with policing inside their borders but they still are okay with their country policing the rest of the world yeah 100 percent um i had a also wanted to toss in uh speaking of like how um like films depicting or criticizing like the military um are not always appreciated absent like a Marxist lens. I, uh, <laughs> speaking of full metal jacket, um, back like when I was in college, I, I like, uh, I left an evangelical church and was kind of looking for meaning. And for, for a minute, I wanted to <laughs> become a Marine Corps officer. And I went far enough to actually go to the Marine Corps officer candidate school. Uh, but I sat around for like a week thinking about like remembering the Iraq war and realizing, you know, something didn't sit right with me. I was like, actually, I don't know if I trust these guys to like tell me who to kill and wound up dropping out. But while I was there, 
at the uh, officer uh, candidate school, they actually like play a clip from a Full Metal Jacket where uh, Private, uh, what's his name, Pyle, um, <laughs> where he, uh, you know, blows away the shithead uh, drill sergeant, and they like play it like for like yucks, and also to be like, and that's why you have to secure your weapons. Um, it was just like a very weird experience, and be like, uh, like wow, this is. Uh, they're just like totally okay with like that depiction of like what they're doing to like people psychologically. Um, but yeah, it's was, it was kind of, that's, <laughs> that's fucking amazing. And, and, and it's just like, it's totally in line with how uh, the military uses and, uh, and also just like colonized people kind of consume media that has a very clear message, but it's just completely misinterpreted or reinterpreted for, you know, empire's purposes. I think another, like, Great example is the fact that, um, like, uh, um, I forget the name of this, like, it was like an Iraq war, like, study group or something, or, or maybe it was just, like, a heads of state department who basically used the Battle of Algiers, the film, as a counter, part of a counterinsurgency, uh, curriculum, right? So they watched this incredible film about revolution against a colonial oppressor, uh, and they're like, let's study this so that we can win <laughs> as the empire against any type of insurgency uh, that will crop up, uh, you know, post-invasion, rather than watch the film and be like, oh, are we the baddies, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. I, I saw another one that uh, wasn't a real one, but it's, this is getting kind of meta, but uh, also an interesting show on this topic. I don't know if anyone's seen it, but there's a space alternate history show on Apple TV called For All Mankind. And the premise of the show is what if the Soviets had gotten to the moon first and the space race like continued for like decades, uh, which is a pretty cool premise. But uh, at one point in the show, like the Americans, um, they put like Marines on the moon and there's like competing moon bases. And uh, one of like the Marines on the moon, the Marine astronaut guy is describing like riding around on like the LSAM little lander uh, and how they rode low to the ground and it was so cool. And, and he literally was like, yeah, we're riding on there with like Ride of the Valkyries playing like Apocalypse Now. <laughs> I was like, another one of those like, literally the fucking bad guys oh, in that movie. <laughs> and they're just like so chill and happy. Also, they're funny. I don't, has anyone else seen that movie or that show? No. Yeah, uh, it's no. it's a fun and infuriating good, show. Like I love I yeah. love Ronald D. Moore, who's the creator. You know, Battlestar Galactica. Um, but yeah, it's it's very frustrating. <laughs> it's really yeah. It's funny because like they every actual I notice like every actual thing that happens, even though like it's trying to be pro USA, like the United States is like very obviously the aggressor and bad, even in the show. And the only way they try to like leaven it is like. They just, like, make these vague in insinuations that, like, the cosmonauts and, like, the head of the Soviet space program is, like, being followed by the KGB. And, like, they just make the Soviet characters, like, very unhappy and just, like, they just offer, like, uh, just, like, out of nowhere, just, like, oh, I'm just going to talk about the how bad the gulag is. Sorry, what uh, It's just very is? funny. Uh, for All Mankind. It's on huh. Apple TV. Wait, it's so a pretty Ron good, Moore, like, entertaining Ron show. Ron Moore is doing, like, openly, like, anti-Soviet shows now? Because, I mean, I used it's to not... love PSG back in the day, but I it is a highly problematic show. I would say, I would almost say, if I, <laughs> it almost reads like, a, like someone is attempting to do, like, slip in anti-Soviet stuff, 
but in such a bumbling way that it's almost like a dog whistle to people who know who the real bad guys are. Oh. I don't know. It's very clunky in the way that they try to make the Soviets look bad. Like, but the Soviets never. Yeah, no, it's. Bad. I mean, it's it's a, it's explicitly <laughs> anti-communist, but not in like a Stranger Things kind of way. Uh, it tries yeah. to do like a both sidesy thing, but I mean, there, there yeah. is like a plot development. Spoiler alert. Uh, and yeah. in the season where they are, uh, they're both trying to colonize the moon, basically. Uh, yeah. And yeah, they do bring military and armed, you know, <laughs> armed people on there. And, uh, you know, one of the Russian astronauts tries to defect, you know, to the United States. So, oh, it's, you know, it's like, yeah, Damn, it's, it's, it's like that. <laughs> yeah. Well. But they, uh, the only good line they give, uh, they give a Soviet in the first season, they give a cosmonaut a really good line where he, like, calls out, like, the all-American, like, astronaut hero guy for like being a uh, for like all America's shit in like Korea and Dresden and all this shit. <laughs> it's, he really right, has like right, no right. response. So he just like punches him. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I have not forgiven up. Ron Moore for the ending of Battlestar Galactica. So I don't know if I'll be watching anything, especially if it's anti-Soviet. <laughs> oh, but, uh, You're uh, a Battlestar Galactica fan though. too. The things you find out about people. My <laughs> gosh, Karen. Listen, I had a wife, I had a life, a whole life before I was a communist. I can't, I can't apologize for all of it. Karen, is this the uh, <laughs> one or the original? Oh, not the original, like the a, reboot, uh, the 2004. Yeah, I never watched the original. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but that show, that for all mankind, one of the fun things about it is the second person the Soviets send to the moon is a woman. And so in the show, the United States, basically Sally Ride is happening like 20 years ahead of when it actually happened. Ah, yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah. a very interesting, I don't know. They do some of that kind of stuff in there, but... This is a good show. Okay. Anyway. I, I also want to invite uh, Zoya to say hi. I know Zoya's here. So, um, I... Hi. How's everyone? Enjoying the imperialism? <laughs> well, yeah, as it's, long uh, as it's, it's in rainbow colors. Yeah. Yeah, I have seen I have seen modern day imperialism and it's super. Super. <laughs> yes. But let's do it for the LGBTQ community. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty wild. I saw a take on Twitter today, um, and uh, it was someone from the community saying about how uh, members of uh, the community weren't allowed uh, decades ago into restaurants and uh, shopping malls and to buy houses. And now they've made so much progress because they can buy all of these things. And it made me think of how... Um, at some point, capitalists realized uh, that black people are a large market share and they can start uh, advertising products specifically to target them and gladly take their money. So it's odd to me that <laughs> having, being able to become a consumer is somehow a celebration of freedom and means to people that's it, that we shouldn't fight for any more progress. And on the Soviet Union topic, I don't know if you guys mentioned it already or not, but, you know, um, in 1917, homosexuality was decriminalized when the Soviet Union was being formed and uh, it was ratified into law in 1922 and renewed again in 1924. So uh, the Soviet Union was really progressive. Um, then it did regress, and there's definitely things left to be desired right now. But where so, has the NATO? Federation? Yeah. Well, the yeah. thing is, like t t the idea that the Russian Federation, which is not a but not by any stretch a socialist or a communist entity, that uh, any any I don't know regression on the part of the, of the Russian Federation should then be. Um, 
like back taxed to the Soviet Union is absolute bullshit. So like, all right, if you're gonna do that, then why not? I don't know. Attribute the 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 drop in uh, life expectancy, the proliferation of uh, prostitution, especially child prostitution, the rampant uh, drug use and alcoholism. Uh, the, uh, the the spousal violence, the suicide rates—you you don't attribute all of these things to the Russian Federation because the reason that those uh, those those indicators of social malaise went out of control is because they opened themselves up to to uh, to neoliberal neoliberal invasion. Their services were privatized. Uh, the uh, the inequality exploded in the region, and they had nothing except for the remnants of their war economy, which opened up a gigantic black market. Sorry, sorry, I got to meet you because you sound like you're passing through a tunnel right now. Oh uh, yeah, I'm I'm totally driving. <laughs> My oh, bad. Okay. You but sound yeah, a little like, uh, far away, Q. I don't know if you changed anything. Oh, I do. Audio is a uh, how about now? Do I sound better? Better. That is better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know, we we don't attribute all of these things to, to the uh, the Russian. Uh, we don't attribute these problems that existed in the Russian Federation to um, to the USSR is because the reason that they uh, happened in the first place was because of the dissolution of the USSR and the opening of, of uh, liberalization in the region. So, yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about how intolerant the Russians are to LGBTQ people, my answer, my answer to that is well, yeah, because you fucking exported that to the Russian Federation. Yeah, uh, and also, um, you know, they, they, why don't the Soviets get credit for? I mean, what was the what was the West doing in 1917 when the Soviets uh, decriminalized? What was what was yeah. happening in in the U.S. Uh, yeah. to LGBT people? That's yeah. when they were frying uh, Alan Turing's brain. You know, mm-hmm. like that's uh, so. Why don't why don't we fucking get any credit for that? You know, we just uh, yeah. There was a regression, and there's actually Leslie Feinberg, uh, who was an amazing communist uh, uh, in the U.S. and was in the Workers World Party. They have written Leslie Feinberg has written an amazing uh, a lot. Go look up Leslie Feinberg, and they have actually um, they were uh, identified at various times as trans, as lesbian, as all kinds of, you know, they were a communist throughout, a Jewish working class communist, but they also, um, you know, had a sort of a very fluid journey with their sexuality and gender identity. But they have written amazing stuff and specifically addressed the Soviet Union's uh, decriminalization and then recriminalization and what were the material conditions around what was happening at the time over there and the, the way that um, the, the Soviet Union had to consolidate uh, with um, some of the rural forces uh, in order to fight the Nazis and in order to appease those, for, those, those people that they had to consolidate. Well, that was when some of these more regressive policies were brought in. Now, it's not a good reason, but I mean, if you're surrounded by fucking Nazis and you're being invaded by fucking Nazis and you need the entire country to come together uh, to fight that, um, you know, that was that was the, the reasoning. But I, I mean, obviously, there's a lot more to it. So if anybody's curious about why the Soviet Union went back to recriminalizing homosexuality, read up re- Leslie Feinberg's explanation of that. Um, I also want to say that um, uh, one of the other things is that the West has this idea that, you know, the Western idea of homosexuality, heterosexuality are very modern inventions. These are not identities that existed forever, but the practices existed. People existed. People who were um, not in what we would consider traditional heterosexual relationships, they existed throughout, everywhere, in every culture, throughout time. However, the idea that you are this identity and that is all you are, a homosexual, and you can never be anything else, or a heterosexual, and you can never be anything else, 
That is a reified identity that did not exist until about the 1840s when it was a medical construction that, that had to do with basically categorizing homosexuality as a disease, as a, as a mental illness. And that is where the invention of these uh, static identities took place. Look it up. The invention, there's a book called The Invention of Heterosexuality uh, that goes into some of this. And I mean, I, I studied this in university, right? Uh, I have a degree in anthropology and sexual diversity studies. This is exactly what I studied. And so the idea of the reified static identity of heterosexual or homosexual is a recent invention and it is a Western European invention. And it is not something that needs to be imposed in the same way all over the world. Other countries and other cultures have different ways of integrating and, and having experiences that we would call LGBT in the West. They They don't have to do it the way that the fucking West does it. They don't have to fucking comply. They don't have to have the same fucking uh, way of of having sexual variance and gender variance and diversity. There are lots of cultures like Muslim cultures, different Muslim cultures, different African cultures, different indigenous cultures who have had um, different ways of, um, you know, um, reconciling with people who are of different gender or sexualities in their culture. We don't what we think in the West, the, the, you know, the fucking NED and, and the fucking Open Society Foundation, they want only a one kind of LGBT pride or pride parade or certain things, you know, fucking rainbow flags. These are all new inventions. Why the fuck should every culture have the same exact way of dealing with things? It's like, it, it, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like... It's very Western-centric and Eurocentric for people to think that this place is homophobic unless they have rainbow fucking flags every June. That is not a thing that everybody needs to comply with. What do you guys think? I think we should. I think we should um, uh, let Mason speak. We've been waiting patiently for a little while. How you doing, Mason? Hello, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. You good? Okay. Um, hopefully this doesn't turn into just like an angry ramble. Um, but, uh, queer politics is like how I got my entry into politics being, well, I didn't know at the time, but I ended up being queer and non-binary. Um, so there's a topic that's really close to home. Um, but despite it being really close to home, um, I haven't really like, like the, I don't know. It's just hard to get excited about pride to any extent when there's just this like, violent and just relentless onslaught um, of anti-trans rhetoric uh, and laws and everything happening, mostly in the States, but there's certainly some pushback up here. Um, And I don't know, like uh, like you guys were saying earlier um, that you don't feel like celebrating pride for the imperial like pinkwashing. And I absolutely agree with that. But also, like we keep saying LGBT, LGBT, but a lot of the larger sort of um, affluent gay community is is happy to, you know, toss us aside um, and um like I like pride was, you know, it was started by trans women and, and gender nonconforming people. And um, sorry, I <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, like there's no like there's this onslaught on on queer people and disabled people. And there's a lot of um, like overlap there, like also with um, MAID um, being expanded to to mental health and this sort of like almost reclassifying by like the right wing. Um, although I guess they probably never stop, but like just reclassifying like queerness and, and trans stuff as like a, a, 
a mental illness and stuff. And I don't know. I This is kind of jumbly. I apologize. But it's just like, I don't know. Like, Pride, it just seems like it's over at this point because we have so much other work to do. And and how can we be, I don't know, excited about our our Pride when there's just so much happening in the community that's just not good. Like, this, this on, like you guys were talking about it earlier, um, the, like, new law that's coming in where um, they can in- inspect the genitals of, of literally children um, for no other reason other than, like, they're just weird and awful, horrible people. But, um, yeah, I don't know if any of that made sense. I apologize. But this is just a topic that's really close to home. It's how I found my way into communism and and i don't know like i agree with you guys there's not really much to be proud of and i just wanted to bring the the fact that trans people are under such an assault right now um home obviously like i can't speak about elsewhere um because this is what i know the most but i don't know it's just it's really shitty because pride you know there's that that slogan that's now like printed on t-shirts and sold for a profit the pride started as a riot who started that riot like it was it was trans women black trans women um yeah i don't know sorry hopefully that made sense if any of you guys have any other comments to add <laughs> i just you, you know it's funny because you, you it's like you voiced my internal monologue uh, yeah on the one, no on the one hand like on the one hand you don't really okay when i started descending pride and this was in my late teens and I'm, you know, I'm turning 42 this year, so that gives you an idea about how long I've been uh, going to Pride Parades for. Uh, it was, um, I mean, first of all, it wasn't popular. Like, it wasn't uh, yeah. a thing that everybody joined in on. Um, even the Toronto Pride, which is like one of the largest uh, Pride Parades in the world, um, back in like the 90s and in the 2000s, like if you went to Pride, you were kind of a bit of a freak, and if you went like if you're the kind of person that wants to show your allyship, people would still be like, "Oh, you, yo, are you gay? Like, you, you got a little something you want to tell us?" Yeah. And as it, as like as um, you know, uh, as it's become more acceptable, and I would say like on vogue uh, to participate in the in the pride parade, and as LGBTQ identity has broadened in many senses, then some sharp distinctions have appeared inside of the community, and. Um, you know, part part of that has to do with how accepted um, homosexuality is in the military. Now, LGBT, excuse me, LGBTQ identity broadly is not, I would say, still not that highly accepted in the military. Um, trans women oftentimes have to closet themselves; like they don't they don't tell people they're trans. Oftentimes, until um, they've gotten assignments that are, I would say, less less dangerous or less, less exposed, or until after they've left the military. Uh, but for for gay men, I think it's probably a safer place than for most other people that fall into the LGBTQ categories. And I, I would say that white gay men, once they got what it was they wanted, which was, I don't know, to assimilate into, like, suburban, straight hell... Once yeah. They to, once they were able to assimilate properly into that, it's like okay, well, we don't really, we don't really need the rest of you, so you don't have. To I don't know. That. I don't know if you guys, uh, if you know much about like the history of Davy Street too in Vancouver, but it's it's a pretty good like um, allegory for for what Pride has become because Davy Street used to be like sort of you know like underground and like a lot of yeah. like 
different kinds of queer people, and now it's just kind of been gentrified and yeah, the baby turned village into is a- the baby village is rainbow hell, and the same thing with yeah, like yeah, same thing with like you know uh, Church Street and, and and Jarvis Street in Toronto. Um, there, I mean, there are still some spots where people can go and hang out and like you know watch a drag show, uh, but. I don't know, man. If you go, to, if you go to Woody's in Toronto, it's just like what the fuck. I may as well just gone to a street bar. What the hell am I? Here? Yeah, there's yeah. It's the queer scene has kind of moved to commercial drive. It's like the queer punk scene, um, but even that's about to get gentrified. And oh, I just want to add to we it, a lot of these white gay men, and I'm I'm a white person, not not to like you know hide or anything but there's also and i don't it's you're, not necessarily you never beaten the cave cricket allegations maybe, yeah so. oh no that's fine i know i know you. i'm about as white as it gets i i my dog eats homemade dog food so it's fine i know <laughs> uh, <laughs> you full-on kissed your dog on the mouth oh my god listen shh, he's like seven pounds it's fine never uh also allegations sorry yeah li- li- okay um but I also want to add that it's not just white gay men; it's also turf lesbians, um, and that oh, yeah. that's like oh, yeah. oh, uh, yeah. under talked about in this uh, in this one. But um, it's definitely you know, the, like the, the yeah. gold star. The gold star lesbians are wilding the fuck out right now. Oh they my are, god! I when I when I log, I mean, I used to log on Twitter. I'm I'm only um, <laughs> on Rayleigh. Like I, I go on to promote our shows and occasionally shit post. And um, anytime that I see uh, uh, lesbian women on the timeline, it's the, it's the gold star lesbians who are drawing some very sharp lines as to whether, like, who is allowed to identify as a you, you as a yeah, woman, you as a trans woman can't identify as a lesbian. What the fuck are you talking about? How, how are you? Yeah, how are, yeah. It's, it's like, it's well, like I got I gotta say one thing. I gotta yeah. say that it is it is. Um, I I mean, just going back and yes, of course. Uh, there are lots of right now that you know trans people tend to be like the least uh, sort of privileged out of the you know LG sort of uh, supposed community, which I I, I think is questionable whether, like I said before, I don't think it's a stable community. I, I, I don't think that's I call, no. it the, uh, I call it the LGBT so, extended universe. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is that if all that binds us is uh, persecution, once that persecution is lifted or starts to get lifted, you start seeing other other fissures, which is usually race, class, as well as other things. Um, but uh, for example, I just, I mean, yes, the 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 turfy, you know, lesbians, the the gentrifying, you know, gay men with the with the, you know, uh, what is it called, uh, dinks, double income kids, or even if they what? have kids, or whatever. <laughs> Uh, no, that's, that's the word. <laughs> Doubling from the kids. No, oh my thing. God. So, I mean, because they're because they don't have as many kids, so they have a lot more disposable income. So that was like a whole marketing strategy that we have to target the gay men, especially the gay men, because they have you know all of the privileges of being sort of corporate, whatever. And then they yeah. don't have kids, so they they can't they have they just party all the time. So that was like a marketing strategy. I mean, I, mean, I don't know if it still is, obviously. But and then of course having the kids, and then the gay marriage industry, and the gay mar- the gay cake, the gay marriage, ca- the gay wedding cake industry, right? The whole industry <laughs> that are that are in, that are that are dedicated to LGB people and LGBT. But I have to say, even with the trans people, I mean, as as uh, there are class differences. You have somebody like mm-hmm. Emily Gorsin Emily Gorsinski, uh, who is uh, you know who has like literally worked for. Or I, I don't know which if it was the Air Force or whatever Air Force. She was, yeah, she was or, uh, technology. Yeah. 
Yeah. Caitlyn Jenner and her whole mess. Yeah. And this other woman, uh, what's her name? The one who is in Ukraine right now, um, Sarah oh. Ashton Cirillo. Yeah, you know yeah, that yeah, one? yeah, yeah. And the, she's yeah. Embedded, Italian apologist. She's fucking yeah. embedded with yeah. Azov, and she like <laughs> to say that hey, they're not they're not Nazis because she's trans and they accept her. And so what I'm saying is that there are classes. Don't forget Charlie Clymer. Yes, of course, Charlotte Clymer. Oh my God. So what I'm saying is that you know. Um, that these trans people have class privilege, they have white privilege, all of that, and that is a that is also a fissure within trans communities, right? Like, just yeah. like there are within gay male and lesbian and all those. I mean, what I'm saying is that um, we do have these problems within, and I agree with you. Like within the LGBT, it's very disheartening to see people who were dealing with the same uh, bigotry that was said about gay people like oh they're just child molesters they're just grooming children right this was the same shit that was said about gay men and about even about lesbians and now it's being said about trans people and even some of the same gay people are like buying into it so i totally uh get that betrayal that sense of like what the fuck you were supposed to be my community whatever what happened to the t i get it i'm just saying that even within that there are still going to be these class differences that show up and these sort of you know racial differences that that um i think as maybe and Hopefully, you know, trans people will get more equality and rights too. You know, just like the LGB did. But uh, you will yeah. see that, that shows up the more that that you get that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just to. Uh, oh my God! I had a thought and then it's gone. Uh, oh, these are. It's it's the reason why that these like types of of affluent gays and even trans people um, will so readily throw trans people under the bus, even though the next logical, you know. Um, escalation is coming after gays and queers is because they're not the target, right? Because they have that money and because they have that class. So uh, they get their like, yeah. So yeah, it's, I, sorry, that was a bit of a jumble, but this is, this was my entry into politics. So it's, it's very close. Um, And it's just, it's been frustrating. And I've honestly been kind of avoiding a lot of the stuff about trans rights just because it, it just, I don't know. It's just, it's a lot <laughs> on top yeah, of everything I, else. I, I just, there was a, um, I remember after, um, what's his name? Terrell J. Star came out as straight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> remember that shit? Uh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and, uh, and, and no, he came like, out as a chaser. Yeah, that's a, that was the thing. Like, he came out as straight <laughs> and then people deduced that he was a chaser. Hold <laughs> 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 well, on, I gotta, I gotta find this tweet. It was like the funniest tweet I had seen all year. Um, or M- Misha Collins that came out as bi, but then he was like, wait, never mind, I'm straight. Um, <laughs> but, uh, okay, so, so, uh, um, th- yeah, the idea of what's her name? Uh, I forget homegirl that was uh, embedded with the Azov, but, uh, um, somebody, somebody wrote after, uh, Terrell Star came out as a chaser. He wrote, uh, Sergeant Nikolai, uh, Sergeant Nikolai, aka Jubane. What means T girls? <laughs> Asking Terrell that question. They're just like, <laughs> how are you, how are you a trans woman embedded? I mean, I can, I, I can understand, but it's still like, it's just not, it's not clicking for me. How the fuck are you following these people around in a poly, like, not only engaging in apologia, but outright propaganda for them. How, how does, I don't know. Maybe yeah. Whatever. It's, but then again, yeah, like, class. How, how, are you, how are you as a black man embedded with these very same people talking about Azov in the his house? Sorry, right sector, right sector in the his house. <laughs> you know, it's, just, it's wild the way that people let themselves be used this way. He, he, yeah. Like, did, did you see Terrell Star go on CNN with this, like, the, I don't know, oh. the, 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 the Pinterest outfit? He bought, he bought some outfit on what? 
Yeah, he bought some no. apps on it. I mean, I don't think I don't know if he really bought it on Etsy, but he went with this like this like <laughs> this traditional Ukrainian costume. Oh. Sort of fun. And and apparently he he was selling it. That he showed up on CNN uh, talking about Ukraine because he's <laughs> stop talking, Q. You're saying awful things I to know, me. <laughs> he was he was selling merch. He was selling uh, merch. Yeah, he was selling merch on CNN. Oh man, he got a hustle. Selling merch from from the battlefield. This is all no, he's no, no, still. No, no. He was, he was, oh, okay. He was, he was actually in the CNN studio, but you know this is oh, the, okay. Listen, this is the Sigma Chaser grind set, all right? Don't knock the man <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, all I'll right. Uh, I'll get off the call. I got a party meeting pretty soon. So uh, it was nice chatting with you guys. Good to uh, you, yeah, yeah. You guys have been uh, having some real real great episodes both on uh, Colin and Twitch lately. So uh, we love it. Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks for your guys' work. Anytime. All right, uh, Rudy. What you? What you? And, and Zoya. Sorry, I, 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 um, I feel bad for muting you earlier. Zoya, are you in a? Are you in a place where it doesn't sound like you're driving through, the the Lincoln Expressway, or the Lincoln Tunnel? Zoya, where you at? Zoya, are you mad at me? Zoya Zoya's in California. She's like on the other side. Oh, okay. <laughs> Rudy, what's up, bro? Hey, um, Karen. I gave you like five or ten thumbs up for. The last thing you were saying, I can't remember exactly oh, thank you. what you were attacking, but it was it was hardcore. Um, the one thing that I was just thinking as you guys were just laying out everything was just like this poor trans kids, you know, like these people out here just playing with people's lives, and it just it gets personal for me because I just think how like I hated them. You know the COVID lockdowns, and I didn't even suffer all the COVID lockdowns, but I just hated the fact that I couldn't see the sun and everything. And so when I hear these stories of like people's lives just being made just like annoying, more annoying than they need to be, because like you know humans suffer from all kind of things, heartbreaks and all kind of things. We're trying to just live out normal lives, and then to to imagine that you got politicians out here just trying to make your your life miserable, just just for you know, for for shits and giggles, it's just like it, it just pisses me off, you know. And to think also like sports, uh, I'm in sports. I soccer is my thing, and to think that people don't really care about what happens to these kids, you know, because these kids want to play sports, they want to grow up and be athletes and be paid, and you know, and really challenge themselves. And then people out out here saying. Okay, and, and a lot of people don't care. They, they're like, okay, we got to protect the women. So, sure, you know. Um, but then, so what are you going to do with the trans athletes, you know? And it's just, it's a shame that we, and, and the United States is so rich. I don't know, we, we can change up sports, but, like, sports aren't that important. The thing that should be important is, like, people, you know. And so, like, I feel like we should just be able to get together and think, yeah, if we decide that somehow it's not fair for different athletes to compete in such a way, at least let's create something for the, you know, for the athletes that you're saying that they cannot play with these other athletes. But nobody's ever like, you know, speaking about these things. They just want to say, let's ban these kids. And then, you know, what are you, do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's sad, you know. I'm not quite sure what you're saying. Oh, I'm saying like it's sad that we have um, 
for example, so you have in soccer, you have men's leagues and you have women's leagues, right? And then you have um, trans athletes that want to play in the, in one of the leagues, but you have people that want to deny them access to these leagues and the, those people then don't want to create a space for these uh, players. And so I'm just like, okay, if you don't think that they should play, fine. You know, if you think that it creates a, uh, an unfairness, whatever. But at least, you know, because these people are human, they want to compete, at least create something for them. I think that, uh, um, and, and, you know, I, I, I'm married to a former sprinter, like a, a former um, track athlete, and my, my kid's godmother is an Olympic athlete. And, you know, we've had long talks about this. <clears throat> and um, I don't know if the answer is to uh, so cleanly separate the categories. And I also don't think that this is really about trans women either, to be perfectly honest. I don't think it's about trans women athlete Because you look at what happens to athletes like Castor Semenya, and there's, like, it's not just Castor Semenya, it's multiple af- uh, athletes, especially um, Central, West, and South African athletes that are, and, and South Asian athletes as well. I shouldn't even uh, rule this out. But there's been many um, cis women athletes that are either heavily scrutinized and even disqualified from their respective sports because it begins with, we don't want trans athletes competing. It's not fair. They had the benefit of going through puberty. There's you know testosterone in their system, the bone growth, the sexual dimorphism, yada, yada, yada. But then what, what happens next, and, and also like there's been a few high-profile trans athletes, uh, a trans powerlifter that won a medal in, in last year's Olympics, as well as a, uh, a swimmer now who's won, um, who's like the, I believe, the top-ranked swimmer in the United States. So uh, they used a few examples of trans women athletes um, that have been able to um, field competitively to demonize all trans women athletes, but it doesn't stop there and it never stops there. Where it goes next is going after other uh, women athletes who do not identify, like who are not trans, um, uh, some of who are, are argued by people who aren't them as being intersex, uh, and women who they say have um, higher than usual amounts of testosterone in their bodies, uh, and and they are often uh, women of African and South Asian origin that they shouldn't be allowed to compete because they have an unfair advantage. And the ones who are the loudest about trying to get these athletes disqualified <laughs> tend to be the white women that can't fucking compete with them. And it's been it's been often said like you know this this happens when this happens in male sport like when there's a a male athlete who's a, a standout athlete and has. Um, you know, advantages based on their, their body shape and, and their muscle fibers and so on. I'm thinking, of, for example, of Michael Phelps, you know, who's able to um, hold his breath longer, who has very long limbs, uh, who has like, you know, like canoe paddle feet. Uh, they don't, they consider him um, the best in his field. Yeah, they, well, he's the best in his field and they consider his, his, uh, his traits an advantage and it's fine. But then, when there are standout women athletes that have, uh, you know, the ability to to run longer, run faster, have longer strides, etc., um, they consider them freaks of nature, and that they should not be allowed to compete with normal women. Um, and then eventually, this—I mean, once it gets past those athletes, then you'll start seeing it for, you know, black athletes in America, black athletes from the UK, etc. So the question is like. Where does the slippery slope stop? And I don't even like slippery slope arguments myself, except we have already seen how we've embarked on that slippery slope. So I don't know whether the answer is to um, create a separate category of sports for, for trans people 
seeing as how people that are not trans are being um, essentially excluded from their sports where they are competitive. Frankly, I just, I don't know, man. I, I think this idea about um, women's sports being kept pure for women is a bit of a canard to ad- advance an agenda where you make it illegal for people to be trans in public, personally. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think the answer is to disbar or um, disqualify anybody from competition. Because, frankly, like, I, I don't even think people care that much about the purity of women's sports to begin with. All the jokes that I see flying on social media about nobody watching the NBA and nobody watching women's soccer, like, I, just, I don't think people really care all that much until it, it, it suits their agenda to do so. Yeah, well, I, I, I think um, there, there's, I like, agree the concern completely. is... Yeah, I think the concern is, like, okay, well, what if you're a, a smaller woman or cis woman or whatever, and then you can't, like you know, it's not fair, and then younger people, like young young girls, whatever, young cis girls should not feel like they can't comp- or they shouldn't get involved in sports. You know, you should, do, you should, you should be like me. Find yourself find yourself a six-foot-plus man, okay, and go have children with him. And then you, you ch- <laughs> your children will turn out to be, you know, just genetically superior like well, my yeah, children. Well, yeah, your children might, but you have you seen Have I'm you saying, seen my daughter? Have I'm you seen saying, my daughter? She look at her, look at big hands and feet. Sorry, What I'm saying is that the solution to that I mean, there are women who are cis women who are like, you know, short like me. I'm short. I'm like five foot three. Um, I've got a bit more muscle on me because I've worked out a lot in my life. But I'm generally my my skeleton is short, smaller. And I was, you know, always, now there are, you know, for, so so the idea is that, well, should a five foot two woman, uh, you know, who might be athletic, but is still the, the, you know, height and whatever she is have to compete in the same arena as a um, six-foot-tall woman, whether she's cis or trans or whatever, who is, you know, has a lot more muscle mass and things like that. So, again, like, the question is is not about whether have you were you born running with faster, these Karen? genitals or that. Huh? Uh, have you tried running faster? I mean, I would simply get no, stronger. No, no, no. I mean, the issue well, is maybe I'm you, different. In, in, in different sports, there are different criteria. In some, it's about speed. In some, it's about strength. I'm just giving you height. shit. I'm kidding. I know, I know. But what I'm saying is the solution, I think, is to is to have sports um, categorized differently. And it should be categorized by your capacity, your capability. You know, there should be like a range of what you can throw or how fast you can throw or how fast you can run. And then people should be able to compete within that no matter how, what fucking genitals well, they like have. Like your I weight class? Care. Yeah, something yeah. like that. I mean, depending on the sport. If, if, if the sport does not involve weight as a major issue, like if it's running, yeah. for example, I mean, that is also weight as an issue there. But you know what I mean? Like if, 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 the, if the issue is like uh, how fast can you swim or how 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 far how uh, how, lo- how far can you throw something a ball or whatever i'm saying that there should be different criteria for how we qualify or how you know the arenas where we compete should be with people who are of similar body types as me it doesn't matter what genitals you have it should be because there are some people who are cis men who are smaller too and who are right. different shapes and sizes. you know you know what's blown my mind for a long while like okay straw weight fighters in the ufc what the f- why why are you, as a man, competing at 130 pounds? Really? I, I <laughs> man, <What>? just that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm um, just saying that the whole criteria of everything being segregated by so-called gender is very outdated, and it should be based on other criteria, specifically uh, whatever your capacity is for whatever that sport needs. If it's running, it should be based on, um, you know, maybe your height and your weight and your ability to run at a certain distance. Your and then stride everybody length, competes that kind of thing, within yeah. that range. Right. And, Can I marry I mean? those two? What the fuck does your gender or your genitals have to do well, with you, you know, the interesting thing sports? is that You know, the interesting thing is that the, the reason that women's sports were uh, divided from men's sports in the Olympics in the first place 
is because there are sports where women outclassed men. And so they, they ended up having to create a completely separate division for it, right? Yeah. I mean, so, and it I... obviously, obviously was, pro- sorry, just going to say one thing. Um, obviously, it was what? probably based on the fact that women were not uh, allowed in certain arenas, you know, probably in the old days or whatever. I don't know what the fuck. I don't know history of sport. Okay. Somebody knows better than me, I'm sure. I'm just saying that it's probably a, a holdover from like a more patriarchal society where women had to kind of assert, cis women had to assert their place and have their own, uh, you know, segregated spaces where only they were allowed to do, you know, whatever, do things with other women. But I'm just saying that we, like, it's fucking 2022, guys. Can we like move past that? And obviously, we don't, in most countries, we don't have that kind of segregation anymore and so why do we need to continue to keep that segregation it's like saying black people should have their own sports and white people should have their own sports and you know kansas people from kansas should have their own like there's no like uh, there might be some similarities in some of those demographics but there's sports should be based on your abilities your capacity not your fucking all these other things that you know you you can work on your capacity within a certain like i'm five foot three i will never be able to play basketball like somebody who's six foot four can play it you know what i mean but if there was a team made up or or there was a there was a league where it was only people who were between five foot and five foot six i could be on that league you know what i mean that's what i mean is that i I love basketball i used to play basketball when i was younger um but obviously uh, people who are much taller than me have an advantage whether they're male female trans cis and and it should be based on uh, you know, people of your own peer sort of range, capacity, and then you fucking compete within that. I mean, I don't see why that is, like, why is that not, like, something that, I don't know, I, know, I never see that being proposed, or very rarely. Yeah, yeah that's what um, I was saying. I feel like uh, c- competitive uh, non-team sports should just be abolished. I think it would just entirely solve the problem there, right? Because <laughs> then, cause then uh, you couldn't blame it on any one individual player, right? Uh, and, and separate them by, you know, uh, you know, weight class or whatever, not by gender. <laughs> problem solved. Yeah. I mean, when I say capacity, somebody's asking in the chat what it, how it plays out. I mean, that what I picture is, again, um, starting from a very young age, let people play with people of the same uh height weight whatever of their type so you know if you are uh in a in a you know in a high school setting or or older whatever setting maybe it should not be just segregated by body even within cis women there are huge differences as q just pointed out not just racially but even within you know there are smaller black women there are bigger white women there are like different you know, fucking capacity, physical weight, height. Um, and then, of course, the physical weight and height, I mean, at least height, you cannot really control. Weight you can control to some extent. But you can control, for example, how much you work out, how much muscle you build, how much stamina you're able to build, right? Those things you can work. That's the stuff you should compete on, not the stuff that nature gave you that you can't fucking control. You know, like, I, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I mean when I say capacity. Like, we have to kind of rethink sport, I think. And I think I, a lot of this stuff, I understand the sort of women, you know, the cis women who are like, oh, this used to be our safe space. And now it's like, okay, I get it. I get that concern. But it, that concern is rooted in a in a fucking, like, that concern, if you have that concern, like Saudi Arabia, I'm, I'm I get it. Okay, I'm, I still sympathize. But it, it, like in in 2022 in Canada or most of the U.S., like you are not living. This is not 18 fucking 42 anymore. You don't have to act like it anymore. You know, a lot of people don't want to understand that we can we can move past that. A lot of the things that we were fighting for or that feminists were fighting for in the early whatever earlier part of the 20th century, we've we are getting there. We are getting there. We are getting to a point where gender is not 
a a restrictive like a prison anymore you know and it's like why should we not be happy about that and try to um let go of the things that are no longer um uh, applicable because those old rules are not there anymore i mean i I was gonna say to zoya i was i was hoping that you would be able to speak on this because i will say i have dated a german volleyball player and a russian volleyball player and um both of them were over six feet tall and um could carry me into the bed chambers like she hulk right so I, I I will say I, I think that there should be more sports in in which there are mixed genders. I know that like in the uh, the history of the uh, the USSR, like separating uh, not even just sports but like any category of uh, either competition or even in the workplace by gender was just not a thing that was yeah. done. Like yeah. I mean, the people are like oh well, a, ma- yeah. a woman cannot compete, a cis woman cannot compete with against somebody who grew up as a with male hormones. Yeah, and a lot of men cannot compete against pe- other men as well. Like, it's, it's stupid to fucking make it all about gender and genitals. Sorry, Zoya, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I love the idea you're floating, Karen. I think it would be uh, a lot more inclusive to a lot of people that get left out. And I think in general, in America, there is this uh, overemphasis on sports and competition in general. That leaves a lot of people behind. And uh, Q, by the way, no, I could never be mad at you. <laughs> uh, but to Q's point, oh, I appreciate uh, it. <laughs> uh, in, in the Soviet Union, yeah, we, we weren't separated. Girls and boys had to go through all the same training with weapons, with uh, outdoors, with everything. We were all a cohesive unit. And it created the solidarity amongst everybody. And, and the weakest person, you try to help them out. There was that sense. It wasn't like, oh, I beat everyone, yay, because it wasn't a capitalist society. It's like you are a collective, you're a team. And if someone's running behind, you know, you have to help them out. If someone's struggling with something, you have to come to their aid. There was a sense of this uh, collectivism that doesn't exist in America. And I think sports in America are, are approached in a really toxic way. Even for the people that are top tier in sports, they get commodified. Uh, their bodies get destroyed in the process. I mean, look at football players by the age of 40, how many concussions they've had and everything. And it's it's really, you know, j- just over competitive, monetized and, and sort of erases any spirit of, of actually excelling at a sport or health. It, it becomes this violent, uh, dehumanizing sort of experience. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I was gonna say, like, um, I think of where um, where everything becomes completely equalized is war, and you know the Soviets were fielding women soldiers. Uh, you know the 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 fact that um, during World War II, uh, the Russians were able to the Russians the USSR was able to capture um, Berlin. I mean, that was due in no small part to to women soldiers that were fighting on the front lines, like. You know, the, one of the deadliest snipers in human history, Lyudma Pavlichenko, that was a woman. So I, I would say that if there's any model to emulate um, as to uh, not just like sports, but society in general, like how we how we conduct ourselves um, societally and how we deal with everything from what you might call gender differences or dimorphism or whatever. How do you deal with that? Well, I would say take the model from socialist states that I would I would say went a lot farther to reducing inequality, um, to uh, having um, equity in the workplace, in education, et cetera, and in sport, I mean, I would look to Soviet models. 
Hey, Q, can I just jump in just for a second? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, my point actually was similar to your point, actually, and I want to marry what Kieran was saying. I was saying that there's people out here pretending that they really care about this conversation we're having, and they never actually suggest anything like what Kieran is saying. Basically, their whole thing is let's just keep the status quo and, you know, um, deny access to these other groups of people, you know, something that is very important to human beings. And I was saying that, yeah, and it's, 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 it's impossible to separate it where you have like trans people on one side, women on one side and men on the other side. I think, and I'm a soccer coach and what I do, I train kids and stuff. I like having um, kids of different ages together. I like having kids of different like backgrounds together and like languages together. I like having, um, you know, people of different genders together because I think um, as uh, Zoya said, like basically my helping you if when you're like, uh, I don't know, when your skills aren't as good, actually that helps me. It's like sort of, um, there's this way of the bigger kids um, benefiting from playing with the smaller kids because they have to play a little bit more uh, more carefully. They have to be more precise. While when they play amongst themselves, they're sort of like elephants, you know. And so there is a, it's, there's, it, it, it's like in everything, you know. In sports too, we're having conversations, these sort of philosophical conversations about how to, you know, better develop a person and some of us are thinking more like the socialist sort of the leftist type of thinking okay if we get like these different people together then that that would help each other and other people think let's just get the strongest people together and you know yeah i I completely agree like uh um you know being having a a background in martial arts and i've been training in muay thai for damn it's gonna be like over over 11 years now um I, I actually I enjoy training with smaller people, and one of my challenges now is that I'm going to have to start training my daughter. Um, I mean, I will be training both of them, but I think one needs the emphasis more than the other. So the one who's like two minutes old, uh, two minutes oldest by two minutes, um, she is she's large for her age. Uh, like both of them came out small, as twins usually do, but one of them just rapidly grew. She's got like big hands and feet, and she's like she's clumsy. She's like a she's like a big puppy sometimes. Where, like, I don't think she gets how big she is in comparison to other kids, uh, even the boys. And sometimes she'll, like, she'll break things or she'll, like, blunder through things. And one of the reasons that um, I had to talk my wife into this, and and I'm going to be going out and getting her little hand wraps and gloves and putting her on the heavy bag, is because she has to be able to learn precision. Now, that helps her, like, be more aware of how, like, how she can accidentally hurt kids or accidentally break things. She has to be able to control her strength. But it also helps me because I haven't, like, I've learned martial arts for a long time, but I haven't taught anybody. So teaching my own child, who obviously you don't want to you don't want to hurt your kid, but I do have to be able to, like, show her how to hold her hands up, like, how to hold pads and how to, like, roll with a hit at the very same time that I have to, like, teach her how to strike, how to kick and that kind of stuff. Like, it, it helps the both of us, and I think you're absolutely correct. Um, when it comes to, uh, to coaching uh, children in sports, especially intramurally, it it helps a lot because they not only get like uh, exposure and develop camaraderie around other kids that they may not necessarily be around. Even though we have mixed classrooms, oftentimes the kids will self segregate by gender and self segregate by ethnicity, etc. Yeah, I, I think that like um, putting them them together 
in the same field in sports is probably the healthiest thing that you can do. Teach them that it's not about competition; it's about how you get along, uh, how you get along, and how you build a team playing the same sport. I mean, I, I do think that like there's this obsession with the competition, as Zoya said, but also um, Western culture and U.S. culture in particular. And I think it comes. I have my theories about it, but yeah, there's this like um, really like hyper hyper folksuality as like some kind of like it's constant like i mean if you're from uh, any other culture you notice it <laughs> because um everybody in the whole world has sex kids and has families and all that and has sex for pleasure but the united states and it's sort of in its cultural imperialism it spreads this all over the world this um hyper obsession about sex and it's like why should i care what somebody's sex or gender or gender identity or sexual orientation are if all I'm doing is playing a sport together or all I'm doing, yeah. is, you know, working together, I feel like there are a lot of, a lot of this has to do with everybody has to be in everybody's fucking business. And now you tell me there's some law in Ohio where adults are going to be fucking in- invest, like doing checking, gender checks on children, checks on children. Like, I mean, that's sick, sickening, right? Like, how is that? Like, how is that? How, how did nobody like, how many hands did, God, did that law go through? And nobody was like, Hey guys, maybe we shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. I mean, uh, what I mean is like they are so obsessed with sex. Americans are fucking obsessed with it. Everything has their sexuality has to be known by everybody. Everybody has to know who you fuck, how you fuck, who you live with, you know, what you I mean, wh- why do I care? Why should anybody else give a fuck about your sexuality? Unless you are dating them, I don't see why that's anybody else's fucking business. And 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 I mean, this is the the part of it is the whole it, it goes into sport, it goes into everything. Why does it matter what somebody's sexual orientation is or gender identity is or what their genitals are or what their chromosomes are? Who gives a shit why are americans so fucking obsessed with it i don't understand um all right uh your comment is dead i think uh, you'll be the last caller because um it is getting late we've been on this chat for a little while but uh and i and appreciate everyone's uh questions and comments uh, by the way and much thanks to, to zoya for coming through as well all right your comment is dead what you got for us yeah so uh i just want to say there exists a model for uh like handling uh independent of gender, uh, different levels of competition. Uh, I may may be uh, telling on myself a little bit here uh, because of the sport, but uh, tennis has a built-in like ranking system where players are rated from like three, three, five, four, oh, four, five, five, oh. And like uh, tournaments are, are held or competitions are held within like that uh, ranking system. And so, like, sometimes they do break it up by gender anyway, but uh, it's just very funny. It's like one of those where, like, like, like my parents are both real into it and have been for years. And uh, a lot of their, you know, uh, upper middle class, uh, you know, white suburban friends uh, are very, very concerned about, like, you know, gender and sports. Uh, while at the same time, they go to their, like, 4-0 tournaments in, uh, you know, in Wichita. And uh, it's just very funny because it also kind of reminds me of like how these like certain like reactionaries will like in their personal life understand something extremely well when it benefits them. For instance, like how investment and compound interest works. And then when you try to like apply that to like something that's like a broader, like for instance, why uh, black folks might want reparations uh, just completely refuse to like apply this thing that they know so well in their personal life to a system that might, you know, it might upset them to come to that conclusion. 
Uh, I don't know if anyone else had ever heard of that, but uh, yeah, I, I I I agree with that. Um, and frankly, like I don't even think it's. I don't know. There, there's a million different ways to work it out, but like I said before, I don't even think it's really a matter of um, how do we work out a system by which um, people can compete in sports regardless of what their sex slash gender identity is. It's really a matter of people seem to only care so much because there is uh, there there's an agenda to you know wipe out trans identity and also to uh, crack down on women's rights. Period, and it, it always comes in from the edges. Like it always comes in from the margins and. It starts with trans women and then gradually moves into other marginalized women and, and then eventually you have, you know, Roe v. Wade being struck down. So it, it, it always it always comes in from the margins. I don't think people really care all that much. Yeah. And you have something like music or uh, other kinds of uh, contests, um, you know, besides sports, like physical competitive sports. Um, and in these, you know, like in these, in, you know, you don't put a somebody who plays violin to compete with somebody, who, I don't know, the guitar, right? Like, there's, like, competitions for particular kinds of skills, particular kinds of um, instruments, particular kind, whatever. And, 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 and we don't necessarily sit there and uh, expect somebody who only knows or who is good at playing a piano to then go and compete against somebody who has been, you know, practicing the violin for 20 years. I mean, I mean, I'm just using it as an analogy that obviously this, this sort of other way of looking at people, not just by gender. And also you don't look at gender, you know, somebody who plays violin can be of any gender and they can usually, I mean, there might be some gender specific competitions, but generally, you know, th those things are, they are based on your skill level and your experience and your training they're not based on gender or anything like that. And I think that that is possible even with sport, even though sport is more physical, it's really about looking at it the, another way and not basing all of our uh, everything on gender and sexual, uh, you know, whatever, gametes. <laughs> you know, it shouldn't be about that. It should be about skill, experience, uh, maybe interest, you know, what somebody is interested in doing and things like that. I, I And I think that that will require a sort of rethink of, cultural norms you know this is a this is not just i mean legislation is sort of the last resort you know the uh, politicians use that to like shore up votes by some of the most reactionary regressive populations usually who don't want anything to change ever um but the thing is change happens change happens whether you want it to or not it's a matter of recognizing it and then learning how to best adapt yourself to it or, you know, your environment and your culture so that it's what's happening is already happening. You cannot just deny it and pretend it doesn't ha exist. I mean, it's not like there are more LGBT people, specifically trans people or non-binary people or gay people. It's that there is this more, you know, awareness and there's a sense of like, um, you know, not wanting to uh, not wanting to live in the shadows kind of thing. Right. And I think that that is for some people is very threatening, but it's like people, LGBT people have existed forever and you just have to understand that. And, 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 and maybe some things have to shift a little, you know, there was a time when women, cis women were not allowed to wear pants. They had to wear skirts and, um, you know, they were not allowed to wear something above their ankle. And then, you know, they were not allowed to wear something above their knees. I mean, they were like, even in Western fucking culture, these things existed. And, just, you know, there has been changes in how we see gender. Uh, there was a time when it was really men who were wearing makeup and heels. Right. And that was the thing to do in like whatever, like uh, Renaissance Europe or whatever. Them niggas was wearing powdered wigs yeah. and high heels. 
And and I'm just saying, like, why is it that we think that the and way things are now is how it's always been and how it's always going to be, and there's nothing else that can ever happen or change or be any different? Study, read a book, read a book, people, read a history book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we're going to have to call it there. Um, well, um, did, did anyone actually, did we actually discuss rainbow imperialism? I was hoping we could briefly talk about that. I, I did call in late, so I don't know if I missed it. We, we but, did. Um, yeah, that's how, that's how oh, we started okay. the episode before we got onto some side topics and whatnot. But if you had cool. some thoughts that you wanted to, and by the way, change your, change your goddamn name, Mikey. Mikey so Google. <laughs> Michael Google Red Hill Contaminate. Just call yourself Mikey, bro. Because when, I, when, right I, when we post the episode... Uh, on your, your username, because when we post the episode after it's done, they'd be like, yeah, we had a great episode with uh, with uh, with Q and Kieran and Michael Google Red Hill Contamination, nigga. Sorry, go ahead. What, what did you want to say about it? Well, I changed it to uh, Victims of Capitalism Memorial Foundation, so it's even longer now. <laughs> Just say Mikey. God damn. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, I mean, just speaking to uh, so, what some of the callers were talking about before, just, you know, the the complete and utter co-optation of pride and how uh, people are turning against the pigs now, but but not against, like, a Raytheon float, right? <laughs> um, and uh, I think just uh, it's, it's just, like, a really important reminder that, like, capitalism will absorb any critique uh, and, and it'll, it'll uh, you know, it'll accommodate any type of difference as long as it doesn't present a threat to capitalism itself. Right. Uh, even, even down to uh, the idea of, of, you know, universal social programs, as long as it continues to uh, be funded by, you know, the blood and toil and, uh, you know, uh, theft and despoliation of resources of people in the third world, uh, they, they will accommodate that, "Quote unquote" version of socialism as well, uh, and and I think uh, we just need to be, uh, you know, incredibly mindful of that, particularly uh, when we engage in public discourses as the left, um, because if we don't, uh, you know, uh, you know, maintain that 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 you know the 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 struggle of of class is primary, we end up getting the meltdown may takes that we ended up getting, right? How it's like <laughs> people suddenly felt called uh, to discuss whether or not ever brown experienced gendered oppression right uh, and i think i think it's like well what the fuck does that even matter like why would we even talk about that you know like like who cares right if if, if hitler's wife ex- experienced misogyny uh when like and, and, and what, what, what what's the purpose of like, what is the purpose of having the discussion oh my god that shit was so funny Oh my gosh! Yo, listen. I actually have respect for I have respect for the Radfems. I really do because they have a line and they fucking hold it and they don't budge for nobody. So yeah, it sounds wild as hell for someone to say, "Oh, well, just because she's a woman, Eva Braun could still have face." Per- I mean, not could still. They said that she did still face uh, face oppression because of her gender. And I'm I'm like. Okay, that does sound, it sounds wild to the average listener, but at the same time, it's like, this is what it sounds like when you hold a line. Now, regardless regardless of how people are going to come at you, I mean, the line is still that gender is a primary antagonism. Like, it's a, sorry, a primary contradiction. Right? And it is an antagonistic one. And if you believe that, then you're going to carry it all the way through, past the finish line. Yeah, Eva Braun too. What? So, <laughs> it, uh, as funny as it is, I'm like, you know what, I, I, I do kind of respect it. Yeah, I mean, I, I I totally missed that whole discourse. It's so ridiculous. Couldn't even take part in it. Uh, I just want to address somebody calling us conservative and libertarian in the chat. 
like uh, who's so calling us conservative and libertarian? I don't know the fuck, I don't know, some random person. So saying that people should that we should change society and make it more inclusive for everybody else who's apparently conservative, and saying that we should be more concerned about the collective sort of so, social um, you know structures and not just individualizing competitiveness. That's apparently libertarian. So whatever the whatever the fuck you're on. Uh, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about, but maybe you don't like the fact that we're not just towing the liberal line on LGBT rights. So, you know what? You can, uh, I don't know, spend like 20, 30 years like we did since the 90s in the LGBT movement and then fucking talk to us about it. Okay, don't fucking yeah. come around. You're calling me conservative and libertarian. Go fuck yourself. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't I don't. People have concern. People call me all kinds of shit. I don't really, I don't yeah. really care. You know, it's all, it's all good. It. It's really, but I do take exception to being called a libertarian. Now, first of all, nigga, how are you? How are you over the age of of, of twenty five and being a libertarian? It just right. it doesn't happen. If you are, there's something wrong with you. And second of all, on what basis are you calling me a libertarian? Because I believe that we should get rid of these categories in sport and, and make it so that the they're not antagonistic. Nah, yeah. it's whatever. It's whatever. It's all like good. Conservative means somebody who doesn't want things to change, okay? FYI, since you don't <laughs> seem to know what the fuck words mean, that's what conservative means, somebody who doesn't want things to change. And libertarian yeah. means somebody who only gives a shit about individual rights and not about collectivity. No, yeah. I didn't say that. Nobody fucking said that. You don't... Okay, maybe you need, like, to get some, like, hearing help. help. That's right. <laughs> okay, anyway. <laughs> that's whatever. Obviously, it's all good, it's all good. Boring fucking it's all good. Um, yeah, so... Thank you so much. Sorry, go, oh, ahead, go sorry. ahead. Go ahead, Mikey. Yeah, can sorry. I have one last Go, one last go ahead. Thing. Go ahead, Mikey. Google Google Red Hill contamination. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, the the second loved ag- accusation was uh, that that y'all said like we should ignore trans people. N- neither of you obviously said that. Um, but I, I think we, we we did. You know, uh, talk about you know uh, you know the the weaponization of of a certain identity under imperialism or for imperialist purposes. And I think, uh, I think it, it's important to bring that back to, um, like, you know, uh, gay, uh, trans, and, and gender nonconforming uh, people and bis- non-cis-heteronormative uh, people uh, who are murdered <laughs> under, uh, by U.S. imperialism, right? Like, that, that all of those fucking rainbow bullets in, in that, uh, um, you know, full metal jacket meme uh, that the military posted uh, yesterday that those bullets go into people, right? <laughs> and they're not all straight. Uh, so I, I think that's that's uh, something to keep in mind uh, uh, with this kind of, like, uh, liberal uh, co-optation of, of uh, you know, uh, the righteous cause of, uh, and not righteous, like the, the, the uh, you know, imperative cause of, of gender liberation. And, right, and right. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this person's like, oh, you don't, uh, you, you argue that we should ignore trans people. Like, you mean the t- time we were talking about all the bills that are going to be uh, uh, attacking, targeting t- uh, children, uh, like checking their genitals because people are posting, are uh, promoting, like, or, or, or actually enacting transphobic laws? Or when we had a non binary person and we talked about all that? I mean, maybe you should listen, Risto, whatever the fuck, to what we actually said and not just your liberal, like, whatever's in your head, because we're talking about actual lived uh, lived uh you know the actual lives of people who are trans and lgb in the west and the rest of the world because the rest of the world actually exists and your military if you are american or canadian is fucking up people in other countries and it does not matter how many fucking rainbows you put on or how many trans people or how many gay people or bi people are in your fucking military you are still 
still the fucking problem. Your military is a fucking problem. Fuck your inclusive military. Fuck your rainbow imperialism. And fuck you for thinking that we are saying anything against LGBT people by saying that. Fuck you. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. So don't fucking come here and tell me that that's conservative or libertarian because you are a fucking imperialist. I don't want to fucking hear from you ever again. I'm going to fucking ban you from any of my rooms if you fucking come here and say that shit to me again. Don't fucking come here. Try to defend fucking rainbow imperialism. Do you understand? All I'm going to say is I find it real funny that folks, um, folks choose their times when to jump up. Fuck yourself, Risto. Nobody's joining your fucking team. Go folks, fuck yourself. Folks, folks choose their time when to jump up. And I find that, like, it's almost like that meme, you know, um, I can excuse racism, but I draw the line of animal, animal abuse or whatever. And it's like, and, and this is actually something that I've, I've been, Kieran, you and I have talked about this, and I talked to Hassan about this the other day, too. And I said, um, you know, people act as if uh, there is, people act as if there is some sort of, like, a, uh, a shared interest among uh, among people in different countries that is held in common in identity, and at the very same time, they'll defend the right to their country to completely, like, devastate the people that they claim to be allied with in other countries. So, we'll talk about um, how uh, Iran throws gay people off of roofs and all kinds of, uh, of other shit, and this is why we should just go ahead and bomb Iran. So I was like, okay, so we've got two, I think, fairly good case studies for what happens when America invades on other countries on the pretext of liberating people on the basis of their oppressed identity. We have, at the very least, Afghanistan and Iraq. Now, did the American invasion of Afghanistan and Iraq guarantee rights? Did it reduce oppression? Did it, did it secure any of these things that, it, that they were supposed to have done in the first place? And the answer is no. So if you, if you think that... Uh, I don't know, like, if if you're naive and on a very sort of like a surface level basis, you buy the idea that America goes into any other country to secure rights for oppressed people. I mean, that's okay if you're five, but after you're a grown adult and can think for yourself and can read books uh, and, and you're capable of consuming media other than, say, I don't know, MSNBC, there's just no excuse for that. You know what I mean? So I don't even, I don't really care about people calling me names. I, I really could not give yeah. a shit. I mean, it's, it's for just, me, it's, for me, it's more, for me, it's more like, how are, how are you, um, how, how do you claim an, a, a, an oppressed identity and not at least do the homework for yourself to know who it, and what it is that you're supporting? That's my, yeah. the, you know, as, as I'm not going to do the whole, like a, as a, as a bisexual, black, neurodivergent male or whatever, but it's like one of the reasons that I came by the kind of politics that I have is because I study who it is that's actually like turning the gears that puts the pressure on me as somebody who belongs to an oppressed class. And if you will do that beyond simply, I don't know, reading Twitter threads and watching MSNBC, you'd be able to find that out for yourself. There's no excuse for that as an adult. And you know what? It, the, the, I think that the thing that is amazing to me is that Western queer people, Western LGBT people, the liberals, um, they like, you know, they are like children holding a temper tantrum. Yes. Yeah. Not only do they not give a shit about LGBT people in other parts of the world that their country is destroying, sanctioning, bombing, exploiting. They don't give a fuck about the LGBT people in Palestine. They don't give a fuck about LGBT people in Yemen. They don't give a fuck about LGBT people in Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, any of Libya, any of the places that the America, the United States has destroyed destroyed and so has Canada. They don't give a fuck about the LGBT people over there. But the thing is that we are also supposed to only care about the LGBT people there as though 
other people who are not LGBT in Palestine and Yemen and all those places, they don't matter. They can get bombed. The, you know, the school buses that are getting bombed by the United States, that's fine. The, the, the wedding parties on all and the farmers. And, yeah. Like, not, if you're oh, not oh, LGBT, Kieran, like, it's, how, is it, how is it not sociopathic to be like, only my people should be saved. Everybody else can be bombed and raped and looted, and that doesn't matter. It only, it only matters if you're bombing LGBT people. That's the only time I should care about it. Like, you know, that, even that yeah. is a fucked up fucking argument. Here, here's the funny thing about that. Do you know, I mean, of course you know this, Karen, but I'm just, I'm just going to bring it up. I'm actually surprised you don't bring it up more often. And that's that uh, if, you are, if you are a young trans woman who has come out as trans in Pakistan, um, it's chat, it, it, everybody type this in the chat, okay? If you're a young trans woman in Pakistan who comes out as trans, what do you think happens to you? Well, in the chat, trans like, rights in Pakistan hold, hold up, hold up, hold up, okay. hold up, hold up. I, I, I know you know the answer to this. I know you know the I want people in the chat. Answer, like, type it in the chat. What do you think happens to you if you are a young trans woman in Pakistan who comes out as trans? And I'm going to give 10 seconds, and then I will tell you what happens. Same thing in Iran, by the way. Same, same, same thing in Iran. Okay, 10 seconds up. All right, so if you are a young woman in Pakistan who comes out as trans, do you know that your transition falls under public health care? Bet you didn't know that. A lot of people will talk about how in the Middle East that they're, you know, they're, they're, they're homophobic and their they're, they're religiosity prevents them from seeing LGBT people as human and so on and so on. But trans women can transition in Pakistan. Trans women can transition in Iran. And yet, trans women cannot, in the United States, the ability for trans women to transition is increasingly coming under attack. So they're actually regressing to the point now where you can't even talk about being trans and the state can take your children away from you if they identify as trans and you're trying to help them transition. So I, I just don't want to hear shit about none of that. Yeah, people don't know honest. what the fuck they're talking about. And um, like I said, that there are different cultures with different relationships and different histories to gender and sexual variants. And it's, it is completely ridiculous for fucking Western liberal queers to think that everybody is homophobic except for the people that, you know, fucking CNN tells them is not homophobic. Like, go and do your fucking research and talk to people from other parts of the world before you make an ass of yourself. Is all you know, the, the funniest thing was um, that map that came out uh, probably like five or six years ago um, showing where the, uh, the safest countries for trans people to be trans, you know, and uh, the map. I think it was like, like you know, if it was like blue, that it was the safest, and if it was red, it was not safe. And Cuba was one of the countries that was red. <laughs> Cuba, oh Cuba, Cuba allows like for transition to be covered under public health care. What are you talking about? So anyway, it's whatever. We don't have to. We don't have to dwell on it. Like I don't want to. First of all, I'm not yeah. even mad. I kind of expect it. I'm not upset. But uh, oh, second, I, I think we can we can we can go ahead and close out the episode. You know, just. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Having schooled the libs already, but anyway, um, I just want to thank everybody is, for. Is shit, man. Liberal liberalism is a disease, and we will overcome. Communism will win. We already know that. Um, Karen, Mikey, just want to thank you for coming through. Uh, Comrade Zoya, I know that you had to go to your meeting, but I want to thank you for coming through as well when you hear this. Uh, and everybody in the everybody in the audience who uh, hopped up, your questions were all really good, and your your comments as well. Uh, so thank you. Keep that up, and we will be back next week Thursday. If you like us and you want to support us. Please visit patreon.com forward slash theculture.tv, the culture with a K, D O T T V, and you can support us for as little as $5 US a month. Um, anyhow, thank you very much. Uh, it's great talking to you guys again, and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Peace. Thanks, Thanks all. Thank you. Take care. Thank you, everybody. Have a good, good night. Bye. Bye. Night.